everybody. This is David Perkins. You're listening to the Desperation Podcast. Join us this summer for the Desperation Conference at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, July 9th through 11th. For more information and resources, go to desperationonline.com. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. God, we thank you for what you're doing in DSM. We thank you that summer is almost here. And God, we pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we study your word tonight. And all of DSM said amen. 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 You may be seated. I've told you this before, but I grew up as a triplet. You know that story. And uh, so, Sean, put that picture up here. Uh, And so, so this, yeah. Now, my dad is a pastor. My dad's a preacher. And so my dad used to tell this story. He loved to tell the story about how his children would obey. Everybody say obey. Obey. Look at the person next to you and say "Obey." obey. And so all of us know that we're supposed to honor our parents. We're supposed to be obedient to our parents. But my dad would always talk about how each of us would obey. And he would always give this example. He would say, when he would come home and tell us to clean our room... All three of us would respond in different ways. So this first girl right here, this is my sister Dana. Now she has four children. She doesn't look like that anymore. But that's Dana. And every time that my dad would come home and tell Dana to obey her room, she would look at my dad and in fear and trembling start to cry. Just, <laughs> and then she'd go clean her room. And then right there in the middle, she's, she's not taller than us. We're seated. She's standing, just for, so you know, I've had to defend myself for years on that, but that's my sister, Deborah. She's actually the shortest of all of us now, and uh, love wins. So anyway, so so there's Deborah, and every time that my dad would tell Deborah to go clean her room, she would make like a snarl face, look at my dad, and get mad like she wanted to beat him up, and she'd go like, and then she'd go clean her room, and then there is the legend. I mean... I'm talking, there he is, right there. That's, that's me. And, and every time that dad would say to me, David, go clean your room. I'd look at him with a smile on my face, joy, delight, responsiveness, and say, dad, I'd be delighted to go clean my room. But then I would never go clean my room. And so... And so my dad would always tell the story about both of my sisters responding poorly, but actually being obedient. And then David smiling and with joy saying, I'd be happy to, but then never, ever being obedient, never obeying. And then when I think about you and I, as we try to follow Jesus, how many of you decided to follow Jesus? You're in this thing, you're following Jesus. Jesus said... Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you will obey me. What he's saying there is that it's not just with your words. I want more than lip service. I want more than just you singing nice songs. I want you more than just memorizing scriptures. I want you more than just praying nice things and reading it in the scripture. I desire for you to obey. And the way that you demonstrate that you really love me, that you really love God, he's saying is, I want you to be obedient. So you can imagine for you and for me, 
it's very easy for us to give lip service and to even be like, like I was as a kid and say, yes, God, I'll do this. Yes, God. And whether it's in your cadre or it's on Wednesday night at DSM or Samuel's call or at the prayer meeting or on the mission trip to Trinidad or at the conference, it's easy to say those things and it's easy to have the smile and be kind of like the five-year-old hypocrite my dad would always mock. It's easy for us to become that way as teenagers and say the right things. But the question that I want to talk about tonight is, will you be obedient? At the end of the day, even if there's a struggle in the service, a struggle at the conference, a struggle, but you actually obey, you do what Jesus has called you to do in your lifetime, on your journey, whether that's the college that you choose, whether that's the prayer meeting that he calls you to lead, whether that's choosing to get rid of some sinful things in your life, you will follow Jesus best when you say, I will obey. The temptation in church culture, and I love church culture. I grew up in church. I've been in church my whole life. I like church. I love church, but the temptation in church is to say all the right things, but not do it. And what James says in James 1.22 is he says, hey, don't just be hearers of the word. Do it. Do what it says. Don't just hear it. Don't just sing it. Don't just say it. Don't just text it. Don't just tweet it. Don't just Instagram it. Do it. Actually do it. And so this is my boy, Dawson. Dawson, come on up here. Everybody give a big hand. This is Dawson right here. All right. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration like what I did with my dad right there. If I were to say to Dawson, Dawson, your room is a disaster zone. (laughs) Go clean your room. All right, let's say that that's what I said to Dawson. Now, imagine what I feel as a father when Dawson comes down two hours later. And I look at him. Dawson, did you clean your room? To which he replies, tornado. Everything all right? God is with us. Emmanuel? All right. Um, All right, so... To which, so I say, Dawson, go clean your room. It's a disaster. All right? Let's say whatever I, that's what I really said, okay? And Dawson comes down two hours later. And I say, Dawson, tell me about your room. And he says, Dad, I memorized what you said. You said, Dawson, go clean your room. It's a disaster. (laughs) And I say, no, no, no. But Dawson, did you do it? I memorized it. I'm not asking if you memorized it. I want to know if you were obedient. Did you do it? Dad, I could sing a song about it. My room is a disaster. Go clean it. No, 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 son. I'm not asking if you memorized it. I'm not asking if you could sing about it. I'm asking, did you do it? Dad, give me a day. I'll do it. Okay. 24 hours later. Dad, I prayer walked my room. No, Das, I didn't ask you to sing the song about it. I didn't ask you to memorize it. I wanted you to do it. I wanted you to be obedient. Dad. 
I made a poster and I put it on my wall. And it said, Dawson, clean your room. It's a disaster. Quotation, dad. I say, no, I didn't ask you to make a poster. I didn't ask you to sing. I didn't ask you to memorize it. I didn't ask you to prayer walk your room. What did I ask you to do? Dawson, clean it, right? Obey. Let's give Dawson a big hand. For you and for me, it's easy in church culture to prayer walk it, to get a a group together. Hey, let's have a discussion about what it means to clean the room. Let's talk about it. And Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, I'm not asking for a discussion. I'm not asking for a memorization. I'm not asking for another song. I'm not asking for another rap. I'm not asking for another poster. I'm asking for you as my disciples to be obedient. Do what I asked you to do. And so you've got Jesus looking at the disciples and he says, go into all the world and make disciples, right? And imagine if the disciples said, well, let's memorize it. Let's put it on the wall. No, they went. And we know that the disciples went out. They were persecuted. They went, they started the early church. I mean, they went, they went out and they were obedient. And because of their obedience, the gospel began to spread. Jesus told them, go into the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the end. Listen, that's what Jesus has called us to do. That are, that's our, march, our marching orders. We are called to go. That means you. That means you going into your world, your high school, your junior high, and teaching, making disciples, helping people know about Jesus. And then what you say, no, 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 Pastor David. Here's my job. My job is to just go to church and bring them and Brandon and DLA will talk to them. Ah, partially true. We'll help you. But Jesus didn't tell you, you get to opt out. Just bring them. We want you to be a bringer. We want you to bring your friends. But you get the privilege of being obedient. And you get the privilege of making disciples. We can, Brandon and I can do the same thing. It's easy for us to live in this city. And for us to be like knowing nobody that's lost. Right? All we know is church people. I don't, anyway. Uh. All we, know is, all we know is church people, and it's easy for us to say, well, hey, our job is to equip the saints, so we don't have to know lost people. We don't have to, because they're, they're the ones that are out in the world. They're the ones out doing that. And everybody ends up with an excuse as to why they're not just doing it, just yeah. being obedient to what Jesus called us to do. And Jesus has said to each one of us, I want you to obey. If you love me, obey me. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything. Our challenge is to maintain affection-filled obedience. It's not that we are obedient because we are just in fear. It's not that we're obedient just because we're afraid. It is obedience because we love him. 
and he loved us first. And because he loved us first, we love him. And because we love him, he said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so we say, okay, we'll obey. We live on this side of eternity. We live on this side where we get to voluntarily choose to be obedient. In other words, there will be a day, if you read scripture, there comes a day where finally, in Philippians 2, it says it this way. It says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Now, that means everybody. Okay? Even in Revelation where it says one day every creature on the earth, under the earth, on the sea sings with all that is within them. Hallelujah. He reigns. Okay? Philippians 2, every knee is going to bow. Every knee. Every knee. Not just some. I mean everyone. Every, at some point when there's the full revelation of who Jesus is, who he was in eternity past, who he is now, who he will be forever and ever, there's a hallelujah, he reigns. There's a Jesus reigns. There's a he's real. There's going to be a moment where everyone, everyone bows the knee and goes, ay, 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 he is real. Every atheist will go, whoa. Every agnostic, hallelujah. Philippians 2 says, everyone, the great revealing, the great revelation, there will be a day where everyone will behold him. So it's not going to be those people that aren't following Jesus now and they're filled with themselves, narcissistic, and they're going to go, oh, there it is. All right. What do we got to do? Every knee. Every knee's going to bow. What do I got to say? What do I got to do? All right, bow my knee. No, no, no. It's not going to be that. It's going to be, oh, he is awesome. And they're going to fall down before him. We live in the time where we get to voluntarily see who he is now and give ourselves to obedience on this side of eternity. We get the privilege of choosing to follow him and to worship him and to be obedient to him now. That's our privilege. That's our joy. And so we strive to be obedient all the time. And people say, oh, I don't, want, I don't like that word strive, David. I don't like that. I don't like anything that's difficult. Listen, obedience is hard. Yeah, you're in a culture, you're in a war zone where it is challenging to obey Jesus. To be obedient to what he's called you to do. To be obedient to righteousness. To be obedient not to slander. To be obedient to love wholehearted. To be obedient to serve the poor. To be obedient to tell other people about Jesus. To be obedient and being specific on doing what he's called you to do. I mean, it's, it's challenging. But you and I, we've got this opportunity, this window of time. This 70, 80 years or shorter. Who knows how long you have. We've got this opportunity. And what we do... Is there are times where it's hard? There are, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about that, that we uh, constantly reach this point where it's perfect. But what we're doing is we're constantly coming back and saying, I'm going to obey because I love. And so we're motivated by love to keep coming back and choosing obedience over and over again. Now, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of interesting the way that Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 9. I want to read this. Verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way 
to get the prize. Now, this is interesting because a lot of times people don't want to talk about running in such a way that we have to strain or that we have to press. But Paul's using athletic language and he's saying, be the one who works the hardest. Saying, run in such a way that you're the one who outruns everybody else. What's he saying? He's saying, give it your all. He's saying, don't ask the question, how little do I have to do to be accepted? He's saying, how fast can I go? How much can I give? How fast, how much, how much sacrifice, how close? Do not run, do, not, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, No. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that I have, after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So Paul's saying, he's saying, I give it my best. I give it my all. Oftentimes, it's so easy for us to say, how little do I have to do? What, what's the line? What's, what's okay? How can I give it 70% and still be all right? And the thing that we find in Jesus is we don't have a percent. Jesus doesn't talk about the level to which we attain. He talks about the motive of the heart. So he doesn't say, okay, I need at least 75%. I need a C. I need, I need an 89%. I need a B plus. No, he's saying, I want all. I want all. I want your best. I want, I want you to give it everything that you've got. And that means that as we try to be obedient, it does not mean that the moment that you are disobedient, that you fall short, that you are disqualified. What Jesus wants from you is, I want your best tomorrow morning. I want your best an hour after you've fallen short. And Paul here is using the language of sporting events. He's using the language of athletics. And we can relate to this because we love sports in our culture, right? We love the person that may or may not be the best, but the person that gives it everything, right? We love the person on the court, on the basketball court or the football field that's giving it their best, that's giving it their all, right? Anybody ever seen Rudy, right? What, 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 what was the heart pull of that? Was it that, that Rudy was the best player to ever play at Notre Dame? No. No. All the stands are cheering, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Why? Because there's something about Rudy who worked off of, you know, getting off of just the practice squad and getting out there. And he's this little tiny guy, but he keeps giving it his best over and over again, right? Okay. At the core, God wants from you to be Rudy. Now, no. The metaphor breaks down, but you get what I mean. Not to be a football player, but to have that spirit. It's not that you suddenly become a professional football player. It's not that you're a great NCAA collegiate football player. It's that you have the heart that keeps coming after it over and over and over and over again. That's what obedience looks like. It doesn't look like there, it's always perfection. 
Doesn't look like you are spotless. It looks like even after you've fallen short, you aim and you, you want, you aim, you desire perfection. You desire to be spotless. You desire to be obedient in everything. But when you fall short, like this athletic analogy Paul uses, you go, I strive, I get up again. I make my body my slave. Why? Because I want to give everything. I want to be obedient. I do not want to be comfortable. I want to give it all that I've got. Everything. So tonight, as we talk about obedience, I want to tell you about a journey that I'm on. Because I believe that the Lord has called me right now to be in a season of obedience that's stretching for me. Renata and I, uh, we got married in the year 2000, in May of 2000. And, um, and in May of 2000, we uh, went on our honeymoon, and the very next day, we packed a U-Haul in Oklahoma City. And so I graduated from college in May of 2000, got married the next weekend, went on our honeymoon. The day that we got back, we packed a U-Haul, and we drove to Colorado Springs to start a new job at New Life Church. And when we pulled into town, I called the church and said, hey, I know that I'm supposed to, to start July 1st, but I'm here uh, 10 days early. I'm just going to try to find an apartment, figure out where I'm going to live. And I had everything that I owned in that U-Haul. I mean, every, everything. It was a very small U-Haul. I mean, and we showed up here with everything. And, and New Life said, hey, since you're in town, pulled in at night, they said, why don't you just start in the morning? So I was like, rock on. So my very first day, I showed up. I didn't know what time it started, work started. So I just showed up at 7 in khaki pleated pants with my shirt tucked in. My hair parted right here, showed up, 23 years old. What's up? You know, kind of thing. Renata actually dropped me off in the U-Haul. <laughs> and, uh, and I started, I had my first day at New Life, June 21st of 2000. And, uh, and, and then just 11 months later, in May of 2001, I, uh, I was on a missions trip to Germany, and I ended up visiting this little village called Hernhut, had a power encounter with the Lord where I just had a vision of young people gathering together to pray and that they would live with the same motto, the same anthem that existed in the heart of this Moravian prayer movement that existed in the 1700s. And I began to just see in my head, even as I was there in Germany, just young people gathering from all across America to pray and to cry out to God. So we came back and and Renata and I started desperation and we just had this vision of, of what would happen if young people possessed that kind of heart that said we want to live for the lamb and we want to pray and we want to we give sacrificially of our lives. And, and the Lord just began to prosper it and grow and it's grown into lots of different things. And over the years, it's just been, it's been amazing. It's been wonderful. So we've been here now 14 years. And... Uh, in the last year, the Lord has been putting on my heart this, this phrase, youth movement, prayer movement, missions movement. And that's really been similar to what I've been thinking and doing for a long time. But it was like, I felt like it was like an accelerator, like, like the Lord was calling me to risk. The Lord was calling me to do something new. And so Renata and I uh, began to pray and ask the Lord and, and we we have been invited and we've accepted a new role uh, at a missions organization here in Colorado Springs is the headquarters. It's called Every Home for Christ. Uh, 
And every home for Christ uh, is, uh, 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 takes the gospel home to home, like you guys know, Trinidad and Tobago. We've partnered with them for the last few years. But through this ministry, last year alone, 16 million people came to know Jesus. 16 million. <laughs> 16 million people came to know Jesus. 25,000, 25,000, like, that's a lot. 25,000 new churches were planted just in 2013. And, um, and they've invited me to come on to, to help build, and, and here's my job description. Here's my job description. Help build the youth movement, prayer movement, missions movement across America. And so, and so I'm, I, Renata and I have accepted that position. We're very excited about it. Um, and we are uh, really excited because it means we're going to also get to stay here. Uh, so my role, though, uh, within the church is going to be shifting. I'm not going to work at New Life. I'm going to work at Every Home for Christ. Um, but I'll still see you on Sundays and, uh, I'm still going to come back sometimes to DSM and we'll still, you know, worship together and we'll talk about Jesus together. And, um, but it's going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be on the bus. I'm just going to be in a different seat in the movement thing and the the Jesus movement that's moving forward. And and so I wanted you guys to just be aware of that and to know that I want you to hear it from me. Um, Renat and I will still be at desperation. I'm going to preach at new life three times this summer. I mean, we're, so we're around. But we're going to be shifting from, from, my, from driving every day to new life to driving every day to every home for Christ. And we've got vision of starting new prayer movements. A lot of things that we want to see that we've seen God do the last 14 years from age 23 to 37 at new life. We're looking at the next 15 years, 37 to whew, 50 something. That's scary. Uh, and we want to see God do new things in the body of Christ with all age groups. And so... And so the Lord's been just putting that vision within us and we're really excited about this call. And so I'm stepping out and choosing to be obedient uh, to the Lord in this season and in this time. And, and so I want to just take a moment and uh, I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what, what thing the Lord is calling you to do. But if you would just stand, I want to invite the band to come and I want us to just take a few moments. And I just want us to sign up again and say, God... I want you to think, what are the specific things that sometimes it's easy for you to say with your lips, to memorize, even to sing, but you know what God has called you to do, and you're not being obedient. I want you to think about the hard thing. It could be ministry-oriented, meaning it could be that the Lord is calling you specifically to serve in such a, in a specific way. Maybe it's to get more involved in a cadre or, Sam, or, or in Samuel's call. Maybe the Lord's calling you to start a, a prayer meeting on your campus. Maybe God's invited you and called you to do something and you've not been obedient to that. Maybe, it's some, maybe there's an area of your life, maybe there's an area of your life that doesn't look like Jesus right now. Maybe it's something that, that you know that it's an era of your life that, that you, when we're singing these worship songs, you're singing and you're saying, but you know this area of your life, you're not obedient to Jesus in this area of greed or this area of lust or in a certain relationship or maybe in cheating at school. Maybe there's anger inside of you towards your parents and you just, you just, you've just been, refused to be obedient in that area. Maybe... 
Maybe it's even in, a, in, a, in someone that the Lord is calling you to speak the gospel to, to tell them about Jesus, but in fear you've pulled back. I just want to take a moment and I just want, I just want you like me. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out. It's kind of a, a wild season for us because for us, this is what we've known. Renata and I, there hasn't been one day that we've been working that it hasn't been a new life. This is all we know. But the Lord's saying, okay, I want you to risk. I want you to step out of your comfort zone. And I think there's probably many of you that the Lord is saying, I want you to risk. I want you to think about launching as you go into ninth grade, as you go into this summer. I want you to get out of your comfort zone. I want you to obey. So tonight I'm going to come down here and I'm just going to get on my knees. And if you want to come join me, because you're saying, I want to be obedient to God no matter what. Maybe you have something specific and maybe it's just a life surrender. But you go, count me in. I want to be obedient, not just in word, but in deed. Not just in what I say, but in how I live. When nobody else is looking, there's something that maybe the Lord is calling you to do that is so extravagant. It's so powerful. But because of fear, you haven't stepped in. Or because of compromise, you haven't obeyed. Tonight, I want all of us a statement before God that says, we want to be obedient. We want to be, we love him so much. We want to obey. That's you tonight. I just want you, either where you're at or down here with me, to just get on your knees before God. And let's commit ourselves to be obedient.